0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net and Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, Please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P O W E L L M U S I C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Jeff Christiana, in our previous episode, uh, talked about himself, but in this particular episode here, a rather short episode comparatively, uh, he talks about the formation of the Eastman Music Company, and for those of you who are curious just how it came about and uh, some of the great things about Eastman, uh, Jeff shares quite a bit of that here. So enjoy today's interview with Jeff Christiana, and it's the Eastman Music Company story.
1: So, you know, at, at that way. time, uh, it, it was a tough thing for me to leave there. Um, is that I didn't know what I wanted to do, so... I had I'd gotten a few phone calls from other companies in the industry, and there just weren't companies that I, I wanted to work with. It's something that was not going to be interesting to me. And I had given it some uh, a lot of thought even prior to this, kind of hypothetical. You know, leading up, maybe it was prophetic in some way. But I've I, been watching companies in the industry and how how well they had come on the scene, how they progressed, how they develop product. And one of the, the the young companies that I paid particular attention to because they were becoming a bigger problem for me competitively at Con Summer was a company called Eastman. Uh, Eastman came on, this was, a, this was a Chinese company that started in 1994 as a string company. Um, and the interesting thing about, about how the company started was the, uh, the owner, um, Chen Ni, he was actually in New England studying uh, flute performance uh, as a master, on a master's level. Um, and to help support himself through school. His father back in China had some uh, uh, contacts with some violin makers. So he would send violins to Chen um, in New England. He would put them in the trunk of his car and he would go around to these little violin shops and he would sell these violins to help put himself through school. You know, so as the story goes, you know, he, he didn't really enjoy the performance aspect. He, he always said he had a little bit, uh, he got too nervous to perform, a little bit too much performance anxiety. So, But he was actually having a lot of fun selling these violins. And so he um, uh, decided that he wants to get into this in a bigger way. So um, in 1994 he incorporated and started his own company called um, Eastman Strings. Now the, the, the funny thing about the name is it was kind of a play on words because when uh, he was going around to these violin shops, a lot of times, people, they couldn't remember his name, so they would refer to him as, you know, that man, that man from the East who comes with, with a trunk full of violin. So he, when he thought, well, that's that's kind of cool, he turned around and Eastman uh, and started Eastman strikes. Now, the, the the neat thing about what he decided to do, because there are a lot of manufacturing going around on, on um, student-level strings around the world, but most companies had, had taken a... Um, uh, page out of the playbook uh, after World War II, where a lot of these East German manufacturers were adopting, instead of going from that real handcrafted, hand carved, they were going to uh, try to mass produce it. So there was a lot more machining done mm-hmm. uh, and less handwork. And he didn't want to do that. He said right from the get-go, he wants to develop the highest quality instruments coming out of China. And uh, he, he, um, at, at first... It was like a lot of manufacturers. You have other companies make things for you, but it re- in, in short time, he realized that's not going to be the best for him and what he wants to do with the company. So he actually started his own string manufacturing. So that's how they started. And he decided everything's going to be hand carved. There's no uh, machining, CNC machining. It's all done by hand in the old world craftsman mm-hmm. way. And the other thing that he was going to do was we're going to we're going to use the best woods we can find. And not just in china so that's part of their model business model <coughs> they would go out and hunt wood all around different parts of the world and primarily in europe so um for most of the the step up and what they call their their, their pro line mm-hmm. um they're all uh, sourced european tone woods. Mm-hmm. so they've gotten they go around they find the best woods available whether it's from germany or romania or bosnia um, they, they get it and they take it back and then they store it and they age it like they do all the woods there, and then that's what they use their production. So everything is hand-carved, they use the best tone woods, and even in the, the tone woods used out of their student instruments, they're getting a lot of old growth um, uh, spruce and maple out of out of China. So yeah. it's really high quality. The tough thing about the string business in this country is most of the string business is for school rental programs. Yeah. And so there's always been from day one a race to the lowest price. <laughs> and so you can get a lot for your money in strings today if you're starting somebody in an orchestra program. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot to choose from. Uh, that being said, the quality has gotten so much better, and Eastman has gone to the forefront of that quality uh, coming out of China and other places. Mm-hmm. And so they are really the leader in, in that, that uh, product because of what they do. So as this progresses, he wants to get into wind instruments. So like he started originally, there were other companies making their OEMing, the products under his name mm-hmm. and he soon found out that's not the way to go because you can't control the quality You can't control consistency. You can't control designs if you if you design someone with a, a manufacturer They can be selling it out the back door under a, right. another brand name uh, to one of your competitors and you have no control over that um, So he decided he needs to have his own manufacturing So they started buying now when I was working for consumer on the product development side um, I had done a lot of uh, sourcing of instruments and, and working with different factors in China for entry-level student product. Uh, at Consumer they had USA-made made manufacturing, but they also had imported products to compete with all the other imported products. And one of the, the companies that put, uh, talking about a race to the bottom, there's big companies like Walmart and, uh, or Sam's Club and things like that, where they started bringing these instruments in called First Act, and they were very inexpensive. Uh, dealers uh, school of music dealers in the US hated them because of the quality they didn't want to work on them um, it was hurting their business model because they're trying to rent mm-hmm. these higher quality instruments mm-hmm. and parents were having to pay a lot more for these versus something that looks just like it at a Walmart and so and you can get it in purple uh, you, <laughs> you you could uh, again band directors not not a fan um, but so there was a big push so they actually came to manufacturers like Con Somerset you got to help us out. You got to get us something we compete with. Well, we couldn't compete against those kinds of products with our own manufacturing in the U.S. because it's too expensive to make in the U.S. So we started sourcing products. So uh, I ended up finding the uh, uh, who I thought was, was the absolute best trumpet maker in in China. It was his name was Yang Feng. and it was just outside of Beijing. And I had been seeing a lot of product in China, but uh, he was a trumpet player, and he was a um, uh, he ran this factory and he had what I thought were the highest quality instruments and mm-hmm. <coughs> the best playing <coughs> Excuse me in China. And so I ended up importing a Bach trumpet under the uh, Name of uh, the model number TR 400 now you wouldn't recognize that in the US Because I couldn't get enough of them out of this factory. I could only use them in my export market So if you were in Japan, mm-hmm. Australia You um, know the Pacific Rim you knew this model and it was very popular mm-hmm. Uh Actually, it it did quite well, but I just couldn't get enough of them. but that was the company that actually is today's Eastman brass manufacturing. So they uh, He he collaborated with this with Young Fang, they ended up buying that factory And so that is one of the main brass factories that Eastman has. Mm -hmm. So they are still making the the highest quality trumpets um, And and other high brass instruments out of that factory. Uh, Now since then they've uh, now have their own saxophone manufacturing all their low brass manufacturing. They're making all of their own instruments in China under the Eastman name, with the exception of one series of saxophones that they get out of Taiwan. Uh, and they do that because of the specific design. It's called the 52nd Street saxophones. And it's because it's this old, uh, it's like the old big Con American sound. That's what they're doing. But other th- everything else was made. So now that's a long way around uh, going back to what really attracted me to Eastman. Watching how they develop, how fast they came in the market, and most importantly, how quickly they improved their products. Mm-hmm. Because they listened to players, they listen to um, dealers, they listen to teachers, and they were not afraid to quickly make changes. Mm-hmm. Change is hard with a lot of companies. It's like turning battleships, you know? There's a lot of processes, there's a lot of bureaucracy involved. With Eastman, they get it done quickly, and they do it correctly. Um, and so they can get things to market and make a change. So, it, when you go from a five-year period and looking at Heisman wins, five years later it's a completely different ballgame.
0: Mm-hmm. You,
1: you got to relook at it because it's all new. It's all growth.
0: Well, you know, and I and I look at the companies that they've acquired uh, rather than starting from ground zero with flutes. They acquired Haynes, correct? So you've already got a superior product, right? Why not just bring them into the family? Mm-hmm. And the same with uh, Bakun. Mm-hmm. Right? And That's a partnership th- with Maury Bakun mm-hmm. out of British Columbia, out and, of Vancouver. And then more recently, or I don't know if it's the most recent, but uh, Shires. S.E. Shires. And, again, a superior product. But the nice thing about this, I think, is now you have Shires also providing some uh, quality control over a- and design uh, over Absolutely. the Eastman product. And so the Eastman product is, you know, I hear people talk, well, you know, it's Chinese-made. I'm thinking, yeah, but, you know, you have... You, no. I think you have to get rid of this, oh, this old idea that Chinese is uh, inferior in quality. But you just described the, the Eastman process, the fact that they have their dedicated factories. Yep. They control everything quality that, design, the source. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now you've got these uh, the, this craftspeople from Shires yep. involved in the whole process. And so the whole line of instruments is just remarkable.
1: It is, and so it's, it's a sharing of best practices. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of great know-how and design and a lot of, um, um, you know, you look at the, the wealth information that a guy like Steve Shires brings to the table. <clears throat> I mean, th- there's a lot there. And so what they've been able to and do, do is everything. everything.
0: Well, I just noticed on Facebook uh, this morning, he posted, uh, just finished his first, sec- his second French horn.
1: He started doing that af- after um, uh, Eastman acquired uh, Shire, but he's doing that also. On his own uh, to come out with some horn about mm-hmm. Everybody knows he's a great, and he started with uh, trombones. Trumpets are great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the trumpet side, that's a, another. Here's here's a really interesting collaboration. Remember, remember I said when, you know, in manufacturing, in the U.S. is not the most inexpensive proposition. And if you look at Shire's custom instruments, they're amongst the highest price in the market, mm-hmm. and they're and they're worth it. Absolutely. If that works for you, and and, and that's what it you, works for me. You no, know, it, it works for a lot of <laughs> other people. Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, when you think about the target demographic for pro instruments, particularly trumpets in this country right now, is is 13- and 19-year-old kids. That's the target demographic who's buying pro instruments, mm-hmm. the majority of them. So they're the ones buying all the Yamaha Zenos. They're the ones buying the box rats, right? When you start talking about, are they the ones who are going to buy the Shire's Customs, it's gets a little bit different because it's actually up in a different price point. Mm-hmm. Now you're up in the, the area of Yamaha artist models and... and the uh, Bach artisan and and other kinds of things, and it's a little more out of reach than for the average Mm -hmm. middle school and high school kid. So this is where the collaboration between Eastman and Shires really shines. So they take the engineering and know-how and design from Shires, and they have Shires produce critical parts to a trumpet, for example, and then they send it to the best brass factory in China, which is Eastman. They mount it, they finish it, they put the rest of their own parts on it, and they uh, QC it, and then it goes back to Shires. They send it through all their normal paces, their QC, and then they come out with a uh, another a level of instrument, which is now called the Q series. Mm-hmm. So,
0: which is still a professional model, absolutely internet. professional. The only difference is you can't you can't have the custom options, right? Right. It is what it is. It is what it is.
1: <clears throat> and so, but when you look at, and I won't talk about prices, but when you talk about pricing levels, you have if the highest price is the Shires custom. Mm-hmm. The next, uh, if you're gonna talk about a box Strad, is the next price point down. Mm-hmm. Then the, the Zeno is uh, right under that. The Q comes in right under that. So now you're, you're right in the mix with uh, Strad's, like a 37, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Zeno's on the Yamaha, and the Q. So that's, now you're right in the mix with all that. And that, that line is, is growing by leaps and bounds. It's a great instrument. Um, the, um, the nice thing on the trombone side, because there is also a, a, a Q series trombones, mm-hmm. which offer standard valves or the actual rotors. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about it, those Qs are are also, um, uh, they're, all the parts are interchangeable with all the, the custom parts. So if you want to put a better bell on, you want to do something different with a tuning slide later on, you want to upgrade your Q with custom parts, you can do that. So it's a great example of how collaboration between um,
0: Two factories works well, and the Q is being isn't Eastman kind of taking that across all the brands? Bacoon, don't they? Yep.
1: There's a Haynes, two Haynes, there's a uh, Haynes uh, Q levels, there's Bacoon clarinet levels, there's uh trumpet, trombone, um, and so those are anything where we have a manufacturer, there is a mm-hmm. Q level product. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they're working on some other Qs right now, I can't share with you, but keep your eye out for them, they're going to be great. Sure. Cube um, boomwhackers, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, a new market, right? <laughs> and, and no offense to my 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 English friends at Warwick, uh, they're not going to be out of plastic either. Yeah, uh, okay, no. Okay.
0: Uh So, but so, anyway, okay. So we we took a rather technical turn there. I mean, we did. Um, if we need to wake up somebody that's been listening. <laughs> um, okay. So I mean, this is a fantastic journey that you've described. From you know picking up your brothers. Uh, Single valve G bugle to being right now to being where a, you are uh, now
1: Midwest regional sales manager for
0: so, Eastman. You're not done.
1: Oh no, I'm still not playing. by a long
0: shot. No, I mean either as a player or as a product developer or sales person Correct. or uh, where do you where do you see yourself? Uh, I don't know. Uh, this sounds like an interview, uh, Mr. Cristiano. Where do you see yourself in five years?
1: Well, then, if this is a real interview, it would start with, "Well, let's look at my qualification. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not qualified for anything because <laughs> <laughs> barely it doesn't matter, right? Um, no, I see myself. Um, I'd like to stay with this company for uh, as, as long as they'll have me, and I and I'm hoping to, and I and I plan to get more involved with product development because mm-hmm. they've just got there's a bright future with this company. Uh, I'm going to keep playing as long as is uh, it's still working and people will uh, mm-hmm. still enjoy it. And I, um, so not, nothing is changing for me. I love being out talking to more players now and, and school teachers and dealers, so I'm really more of a grassroots level, and I'm having a great time because the, it's, the relationships. Are, this is a relationship business. Everything uh, is important, and what I'm finding, my biggest challenge and all of our biggest challenges in this company as sales guys is people just haven't seen enough of the product. They don't know enough about it, and so anything we can do to foster that, the better. Because they, they offer a value proposition that's unique in the in the in the market. They offer really high quality uh, and high functioning instruments at
0: really yeah uh, and good prices. But I think uh, the tuba might be the prime example <laughs> for Eastman. And and all it takes is for uh, one or two uh, world renowned tuba players to put their name. Behind it and so tell tell what happened with the Eastman tuba if you
1: would asked me five years ago. Well, you see um, Eastman professional tubas being used in major symphonies around the United States around the world. I've said yeah, that's a That's a stretch But it's not that's a reality. So mm-hmm. thanks to uh, the product development at Eastman and um, uh, Ryan Richmond who's been heading that up our vice president and with a lot of more and more in more current times Chuck Kerrigan who is our low brass guy and sales guy who's a fine tuba player out of and a super uh, nice guy yes. a yeah, super nice guy he chucks out of uh arizona um very knowledgeable but they've been developing tubas like nobody's business and they've garnered the attention of a lot of people so now you can find them being played in, in some small orchestras like los angeles philharmonic uh, chicago symphony milwaukee indianapolis symphony. symphony
0: cincinnati symphony um but you've got uh even uh uh, university professors, Deanna Spoboda. Oh, all over. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh. So, but I mean, that's just a great example of, and, and it's, you've got uh, already a long list. I mean, people can go to the websites and check yep. out who the, the artists' endorsers are. But on all the instruments, uh, there's some fantastic uh, people out there pushing these. And it's just, it's a matter of time. And I remember Ryan explaining to me, you know, the difference between Eastman and Yamaha is, you know, it's, uh, it's exponential. Yamaha has been around, and they when people see Yamaha uh, ATVs, oh, it's sure. the same company, you know. But they brand recognition. It's brand recognition, and so, but the scale is also greatly different still between uh, Eastman and Yamaha. So you know, to compete with those is going to take some time. Sure, but when they will do over, of course, they and they grow. they already com- it's competitive already. Um, so. Yeah, and of course I'm I'm biased uh, at the moment. I'm completely sold on Eastman and Shires, and, uh, and and the people. You know, it's not just the product; it's uh, an endorsement for the company right now. Is that I see you know people like you, people like Ryan Richmond, uh, Sarah Merkelbach mm-hmm. are just spectacular, and you know I think it's a company that's. Um, well, making all the right decisions at all the right times and, and places, it seems like. So It is, and, and it's, it's not and, too and, big. And, and That's and the I'm, thing. And I'm hoping that that particular comment will at least yield me a free cup of coffee uh, <laughs> at some point. Absolutely. So <laughs> last thing I'll say about uh, the company, it's, it's, not a, it's not a big
1: corporation, and, and so it's, it's still a family-owned business, and it's treated as such. And so the, the culture in it is, is really wonderful and healthy. Um, everybody is, is supportive, and it's it's a great environment. Mm-hmm. And this company is just going to do nothing but yeah. uh, grow and, and get better all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope you're part of it for a long time, I, too. I hope to. I'm having a good time. <laughs> um, man, I I know we could keep going for a little bit, but we're going to call it for today. Sure. I, uh, well, I
1: really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, I've,
0: I've enjoyed this. And, you know, uh, getting to hear uh, all of your background, I think when it comes to building relationships, that's – You've got such a varied background. It's like you're you've got this ability to connect on so many levels with people. And so I think that's that's a if you look at qualifications, that's it right there. Sure, is, is all of that plays into it. So, uh, congrats on the new gig with Eastman. Thank you. And uh, congrats on everything else. And uh, thank you very look much. Look forward to working with you, of course, many more times in the future. So likewise. Nice. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcast from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you, too, can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studio HFL. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.